Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. is the sound of the BBC's theme tune for World Cup 94 in the USA. It is, of course, America from West Side Story. Do you know who wrote that music, Sam? Yeah, I do, because we've just been talking about it. It was Leonard Bernstein. We haven't just been talking about it. We've been Googling it, Googling haven't we? Because yeah. we have a bloody clue who it was. We, we, we talked on the last podcast about how inspired and game-changing the use of Ness and Dorman was by the BBC for the 1990 World Cup in Italy. And I think that they felt the pressure, whoever was in charge of choosing the theme tune for 94, thought, follow that. Yeah. Follow that. And they went down a similar route, didn't they? They went down a similar route, and I think they chose extremely well. Nothing will ever match Nessam Dorma, but but I thought it was really good, and I remember the promos for the World Cup, Mm -hmm. so I was going, which we'll get on to, and I was tremendously excited about this trip to America, and they kept running promos in the build-up to it, and it's such an exciting piece of music to cut together action sequences yeah too, because it's so fast paced and a and a ba, 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 well you've heard hell it. yeah woo USA 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 um and by contrast we will at the very end of this podcast we'll play out with the ITV theme tune they didn't bother which, did they they didn't even bother they didn't even bother to commission a piece of music what they used was glory land by Daryl Hall and the sounds of blackness which was the official fifa song of the world cup and uh, they just they just played that. They didn't, mm. they didn't even bother to come up with their own bit of music. And this was the prevailing mood from ITV because they didn't seem to be that arsed that there was a World Cup on and that was down to the fact there was no home nations taking part in it. England yeah. weren't there, Scotland, uh, Northern Ireland weren't there. The Republic of Ireland were there, so we kind of supported them by default. I remember we on the, the mainland. The Guardian newspaper gave out um, uh, sort of fake Irish passports that you could pull Did out. It? Yeah, to sort of... Um... How amusing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> because everyone was pretending that they were Irish. So, USA 94. Let's start with the mascot, because that's a regular thing we do on these podcasts. Yeah, who was it this time round? The mascot for the 94 World Cup was Striker, the World Cup pup. Oh. He was, uh, he was a cartoon dog. Yeah, good start. Designed by Warner Brothers. But... It just just had nothing about him. I mean, in short, he was just an annoying little cunt. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, a dog. I'm looking at a picture of him now. He's got a he's got a football kit on. He's got his left foot standing on top of a football, holding it in position. He's got a shit-eating grin on his face. USA '94 emblazoned across his shirt, which is white with red sleeves, and Whoa, then he's got blue shorts. Hang on a minute, I'm just looking at this bloke, and I think he's all right. 
Oh, come on. I mean, compared to the Italian 90, Chow. It's fucking much better than Chow. Fat. He's no Piki. And he's no Naranjito. No, but he is a dog. Jalapeno. Uh, having the fact that he's a dog playing football, it works in his favour, actually. I mean, you might have seen... If they're going to do it like foodstuffs like they did in Spain and Mexico, you would have made it a football in hamburger or hot dog. Hot dog, definitely. But that that's that's possibly infringing on our Mr Sausage idea. Yeah, but they wouldn't have known that. Back then, they wouldn't have known that you and I were going to come up to Mr. Sausage. We can't be sure. (laughs) I'm going to draw Mr. Sausage. (laughs) You control our um, Twitter account for this. I do. I'm going to draw Mr. Sausage or just some We could ask the Twitter followers to to submit some designs. Yeah, if you want to submit. So the next World Cup is uh, Qatar 22, but I still think we've got a chance that because apparently... We are FIFA's main standby country. Okay, so so it goes tits if, up. if something goes tits up anywhere, because we're the country with the best stadiums and infrastructure, right. and we're ready to Is, go at a moment's Do you know something notice. that might go tits up in Qatar before 2022? Oh, fucking hell. I mean, yeah, for a start... I know Richard Keyes is over there if in that there's, part of the If world. there's more exposure to the fact that it was all a stitch-up, they might just say, look, we can't have it there. People are dying all over the place building the stadiums, right? The cheap labour they're using. There's people, they're just, they're yeah. using slaves. Yeah. Like they, they're building the stadiums in the same way that the Egyptians had the pyramids built. None of these the seem same like... same firm. None of non-unionised. <laughs> none of these seem like reasons why FIFA would cancel it, though. No, you're right. But should they do it, we need to be ready. And one of the things, one of the key things we need to be ready with is a, mascot. a mascot. We've got an idea. No one's going to come up with a better idea than Mr Sausage. Um, uh, now it's over to you, our listeners, to give us some blueprints, yep. designs for Mr. Sausage. We've got our team here. All you need to do is send us a sketch. We can then make it a reality. We can. You've got to follow us on Twitter at TF Time Machine and submit your designs. Um, we can't guarantee that we'll use any of them or return them or pay you if we do use one, them. One thing I can't stress enough. It's very important to get this point clear. We definitely won't pay you. Yeah, if, if it does get used... If we sell it to um, the Football Association, FIFA, or any other bastard, you will not own any IP, and and you will receive not a penny. No. That will all go into the account of... Top Flight Time Machine Machine Limited. (laughs) You'll um, you'll receive lots of kudos among your friends and family. We are registered in Panama, and we will not pay a penny's tax, so it won't even benefit you indirectly in that sense. Perhaps we could register ourselves in Qatar. That would be a nice oh, little tie a, a delicious irony. Wouldn't just... So and that... i tell you something else as well. Another delicious irony Go is on. that all the money Andy and I make from Mr. Sausage will be spent on sausages, <laughs> which we will eat on our desert <laughs> island. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Me, you, a love tree, and, and a an endless massive supply pile of sausages. Of sausages. It'll, be exactly, it'll be like a British version of Trading Places. You know that thing at the end where you go... Looking good, Lewis. Feel it. No, looking good, Billy Ray. <laughs> Feeling good, Lewis. But it'll be me and Andy on that island. And instead of Jamie Lee Curtis and an, and an unnamed black waitress, it will be two love trees. One painted in the colours of Sunderland. The other one color, painted in the colours of West Ham, both with holes drilled into them. And a, a dwarf waiter, rather like odd job, um, just serving us a silver platter of bangers. Ah, lovely stuff. Uh, I think I've also come up with another uh, TV pitch here as well. Sausage Island. Sausage Island. (laughs) Two men. A thousand sausages. (laughs) And two love trees. Two love trees. There can only be one winner. (laughs) 
<laughs> the, the challenge, simple. Eat all the sausages and fuck both the trees before the other man can beat you both to it. Both the trees. Oh, game on. Don't 109 up. episodes over three months. Yeah. Come on, me and, Andy, me and Andy running around in grass skirts, <laughs> naked, but for some crudely fashioned skirts we've made from leaves. And With bamboo. access access points on the front, <laughs> so we can so we can fuck the tree at yeah. short notice if we need to. Get on the front of the Dave channel. Yeah, get on the front of the Dave channel. That's a winner. This is it. USA nineteen ninety four. Then it began and ended with a nightmarish penalty. Do we remember the opening ceremony of USA ninety four with Diana Ross? Oh, it was disastrous, wasn't it? She took a penalty from um, experts. Have said it was six yards out. And I watched this again as I was preparing for this podcast. Now she she puts it wide of the post. The the, the goalposts then explode and fall apart into two pieces. But the thing is, the keeper dives to his right, which is the side that she puts it at. Mm. So even if she got it on target, there's she like a three inch it. gap where she could have put it in, squeezed it in on the mm. post. He would have saved it anyway. That's out of order by the keeper though, because what was the keeper trying to do? She turned up. I mean, it was a Shilton type penalty save. He, he dived after she'd hit it. I know, but, but it, that makes it worse. Because this this bloke, I don't know who he was, but presumably he knew his stuff. He was a decent keeper. He played studied, at some sort of level. He studied Ross's previous penalties. Yeah. He knew where she was going yeah, to put that, it. That's awful. That is what he'd done. He'd sat there with video play, like playback, fucking thinking there's no way I'm going to let Ross put one past me. And it's like, mate, grow up. Yeah. Diana Ross has turned up to lend a bit of pizzazz to the proceedings. Mm-hmm. You know she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing when it comes to spot kicks. Do her a favour and let her score. And he's like, "What?" He's like, "No, I'm going to read her body language. Yeah. I'm going to watch the run up, and I'm going to go the right way." I'm going and, to be the and, hero. and in many ways, the fact that she missed and the goal collapsed was a better outcome yeah. for him. Because if he, if he had leapt like a cat, like the cat who provided vocals on the theme tune to Ronnie sorry. Corbett, yeah. sorry. Right, if he had leapt and saved it in an amazing way, like Dave Besson in that FA Cup final, mm-hmm. right. He would have looked a right fucking cunt. Yeah. So he was. He, he was a cunt either way, but either it's way. not it's not that well and publicized. It's, 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 well exactly that's what and I'm that's trying why to bring we're the redressing it, yeah. Yeah. I mean also <laughs> during that um opening ceremony, Oprah Winfrey fell off the stage. People don't remember that. <laughs> All they remember what is a Diana Ross shambles. Penalty. Absolute shambles. Conspiracies galore, I reckon. So that was the opening ceremony. People were quite appalled that the USA had been given the World Cup because, you know, it had no heritage really of football other than that brief period in the 70s when the um, North American Soccer League was around and players used it as a retirement home like Pelé and Cruyff and Beckenbauer and George Best went over there and, and, and got, you know, bags of money for, for not doing all that much. It, it, it was an absolutely great idea to have the World Cup there. Because, it, you know, you need, you want football. I mean, if you're FIFA, of course you want football to win the hearts and minds of America. And spread around the, the world and make country more in the money. World. Yeah. And, and also the other thing, and we'll get on to me boring you about the fact that I went, but you go there and you think, this country is f- f- like absolutely bloody perfect. The infrastructure, the standard of the stadiums, everything about it 
was brilliant because it's a really rich, it's the world's richest country. Everything, hot dog vendors everywhere. Everything's sorted. And it, yeah, and it's made for. There's a hot dog infrastructure that you, doesn't need to be. From the moment created. you wake up, you're eating a hot dog without even knowing. How easy is it to get a hot dog in Qatar? I've got no idea. Uh, well, they better fucking start getting that sorted quick smart. So, um, attendances in terms of USA 94 were and still are a record average of 61,000. There you go. Because all the stadiums, as you say, were vast. Mm. Um, I don't know how many actual Americans went to the matches, but obviously the immigrant population from around America flocked to see their the players and the, the countries from their homeland. And the US oh, themselves... Oh, yeah, because they all pretend they're from different countries, don't they? Yeah, they're originally from Ireland mm. or Italy or wherever. Hey, I'm Irish too! Yeah. Mm. Um, I've just got here written down something about tater tots. What's that about? I don't know. It's an American thing, isn't it? I've also got that the USA kit was fucking horrible. Do you remember yeah, it? Was it? Stars and stripes. Mucky blue with various size and shape white stars all over it. It looked mm. like a pair of pyjamas. And then you had Alexei Lala. Lalas? Lalas? Yeah. Who was also the lead singer in The Spin Doctors. Yeah. With that song, Two Princes, <clears throat> provided a soundtrack to a happy summer's holiday with the lads in Rhodes. Did it? Yeah. Okay, well, that's what he did. He was in the Spin Doctors and he also played for the USA. Yeah, the he, looked, he looked a bit smelly, <clears throat> but he subsequently became USA's manager. Yeah, he played in Italy for a while as well, didn't he? He did. I can't remember who for. Probably a novelty team. They had a few players, didn't they, who ended up playing in the Premier League, the Premier League, like the Americans. Hawks. Was there a player called Hawks? Was Roy Wegley American or was he Canadian? He was South African. Ah. Great player, Roy Wegley. Yeah. He um he scored a lot of penalties and it used to always say in the newspaper Wegley brackets pen. And I used to imagine what a Wegley pen would look like. And what did you imagine? I imagine like? it's one of them where you turn it upside down and the woman's clothes come off. Oh, they're the best pens. The Wegley pen. They are the best pens. <laughs> the, yeah, like they're right up there. If you look at the best pens ever that you've, like, you know, always hankered after yeah. in your life, the, the naked women ones yeah. are the best. Follow closely by <laughs> blankety blank checkbook and pen. Absolutely. Made of solid silver. Absolutely. But the um, the Wegerly pen is featured in an episode of The Simpsons where Homer sees one. and uh, I think he's talking to Apu and he says, uh, you know who these will appeal to? Men. <laughs> <laughs> and he's right. Quite right. This, this is it. it. Ridiculous kickoff times I've got written down here. Yeah. Because of the global viewing audience. Uh, so a lot, a lot of games are played in midday in the USA in extreme heat. Mexico versus Ireland kicked off at midday in Florida, I think. And it was uh, 41 degrees centigrade, as they used to say then. I think they say Celsius now. Yeah. Who changed that anyway? Well, not, well, I still not, say centigrade. Who, who, who brought Celsius in? The likes of me and you are too old to change our hab- habits now. It'd be a waste of time. We'll be dead soon. We might as well just stick to the way centigrade. we know of doing things. And it's centigrade for me. But well, then you've got the people way. older than us who are still on Fahrenheit. Oh. Dickheads. I think, I think in America they like Fahrenheit as well. Do they? Wankers. So Mexico versus Ireland, and that was the, the match when John Aldridge had his... Um, his infamous meltdown on the touchline when they wouldn't let him come on as a oh, sub. that was funny, wasn't it? Um, I think it was just heat stroke. Um, and then they played Italy. Uh, Italy was the first game. Oh, yeah. Have we, well, have we talked about it? You got, we've no, got to talk like, about that. Bl- that was bl- the... Our podcast are blurring into one because we've just done 1990 when Italy played Ireland and now we're on to 94. Yeah. 
Rear Houghton scored the goal. It's good, good a game. Amazing victory. Goal. Really amazing victory for the Irish. Probably Jack, their most famous victory ever. Yep. Jack Charlton wore a, a bright white baseball cap. He looked like an OAP that was on a trip to Florida. Well, he kind of was. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but then it, it just all went to shit after that for them and they went out in the second round. Yeah. I don't remember any of their other matches other than the Mexico one. I remember John Aldridge going nuts on the touchline, but I don't know what the final score was or anything yeah, like that. So I remember watching that in the night. I haven't researched it. It's, it. No, it England fizzled out. Involved. But look, let's talk about ITV's coverage, because I've seen on your notes here, you've written Matt Lorenzo and Elton Wellsby. That was ITV's dream team presenting lineup. So the- Matt Lorenzo told me yeah. uh, not that long ago, he was telling me about it, and he said that he was out there and it was great and his main co-host pundit was Dennis Law. Brilliant. Yes. Right, so he's in America with Dennis Law for a month, <laughs> blinding. And he said that they were... like Matt Lorenzo's a very tanned man anyway. Yeah. He's naturally quite... Teak. Yeah, he's quite teak. And unusually for a Scotsman, uh, Dennis Law will catch the sun very easily. And he, he also will go very brown. <laughs> And Matt Lorenzo told me that the bosses back in um, London called up and said, listen, you are you are looking like you're having too much of a good time and it's alienating <laughs> the viewers. And he said, what do you mean? He goes, well, every, every day you and Dennis turn up and you're browner. Br- you're browner than the day before <laughs> and everyone back home is sort of annoyed. It looks like you're just there on a jolly. That's Matt I mean, Lorenzo's USP. Matt Lorenzo's obviously brown. thinking to himself, well, I am here on a jolly. Well, yeah. you know, of course I am. It's brilliant. And they said, he goes, well, what do you want me to do about it? Stay indoors? And they said, you're going to have to tone it down with makeup. And he told me <laughs> that they had to try and work, they had to try and do an anti-tan on wow. him and Dennis Law because the bosses had got it in their heads that it was just obnoxious to the viewers back home um, to see hell. these men so richly tanned. I, I read that they, they did the whole thing in Dallas as well. Hmm. They were just based in Dallas. In, 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 I think it might have been in the book depository on Daily Plaza where they, <laughs> where they broadcast out of for, Why for did they a month. choose that? And ITV didn't even bother showing some of the group matches. There was just no interest in the World Cup from them, which just seems unthinkable now. Maybe it was because there wasn't any home nations involved. But, you know, it's the World Cup. We want to see every fucking second of it. We don't want, like, masses, matches missed out or... I think the BBC had one or two matches where they showed the first half on BBC One and then went over to BBC Two for the second half, which is disgusting. And also, it's racist. Yeah, it is, yeah. Because it's like saying, we're not in it, we're not in it, so it doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah. We're not in it, so it doesn't count as a World Cup. You you British people don't need to see this because we're not involved in it. Because we're not in it, which is absolutely stupid. And as you will no doubt have the data to prove... It was objectively a much better tournament than the previous World Cup that had featured England and Scotland. I haven't actually got any data on it, but it just felt like it was better. Um, One of the matches that didn't get shown by ITV, and this this disgusts me to this day, was Argentina 4, Greece 0. And yeah. that's the match. Batistuta scored a hat-trick. Maradona scored the fourth goal and did that goal celebration And did his cocaine afterwards. celebration. Did his five-drug cocktail celebration It's interesting afterwards. because I think we talked about his, um, you know, the Hand of God game eight years previously. And we were certain 
it was beyond all doubt that he would have been on cocaine yeah. for both of those it goals the because they were time. they were only goals that were possible with cocaine. Yeah. No one thinks I'm going. No, no five foot one man thinks I'm going to jump up above the head of Peter Shilton <laughs> and fist this into the goal, right? Unless he's on loads of cocaine. It's equally, no man in a World Cup quarterfinal receives the ball with his back to goal in the centre circle, looks up. Sees Terry Butcher, Terry Fennick, Peter Reid, Steve Hodge, <laughs> Gary Stevens, and Peter Shilton in front of him and thinks, fuck this, I'm going to go around all the cunts and score, <laughs> unless he's on loads of cocaine. So he was on loads of cocaine then, that much is established. Yep. In 1990, he famously said that after the defeat in the final, I went home, cried, and took cocaine whilst listening to the theme tune from Sorry for, for 24, 24 hours. hours. In a bed so he yep. admitted that. And then. Uh, in 1990, we were thinking. In 1994, we're thinking. Oh, I do hope he has managed to conquer his demons, rehabilitate himself, and then he scores the fucking fourth goal and yeah. does a and does a coke celebration right up in the face of the camera. <laughs> he does, and then a couple of days later, is banned from the rest of the tournament for what was described as a five drug cocktail Lovely that he took. Stuff. Not what? one, not two, not three, not four, but five drugs. I've altogether. taken drug cocktails in my time, but five, I wouldn't know what five to take. I mean, it gets to the point where one's working against the other so hard that it, they all cancel each other out. Do you do you think it included the, um, the Gatorade tranquilizers that were handed yeah. out by the Argentine staff? Yeah. To the Brazil team in 1990. In 1990, after it was alleged that the Argentina team were trying to feed the Brazilian players... Um, Thermos tranqu- flasks full tra- of drugs. ...tranquilizer-laced Gatorade during the game. <laughs> it would be a rich irony if, in fact, because the Brazilians didn't fall for it and there was a load left over, Maradona, <laughs> after the game, just said, I'll have it, and drank it all, and then developed a taste for it. Put but he had to counteract freezer. it with extra cocaine. So, and the thing is, it is delicious, this tranquilizer Gatorade, but it didn't half make you tired, so I've had to quadruple my <laughs> cocaine intake just to offset the effects of it. <laughs> and also, I still take ecstasy, magic mushrooms, and weed before every game as standard. Oh man! So he he's, so he got uh, booted out for that. He did, and Argentina's World Cup campaign pretty much ground to a halt after that. Mm, it was a blow um, for them. And ITV didn't when, bother to when, show that. When much. he ran up to the camera, it must have been the highlights I was watching. But I remember Big Ron Atkinson doing the co-commentary, and rather than laughing, which is the correct response to that, <laughs> he got angry, and he went, "If he ran up to me like that, he'd get he'd get he'd get the hand of Ron." <laughs> <laughs> when of course it was a glorious celebration and, and his, his last act in a World Cup really wasn't it pretty yeah, much yeah well he, he came back as manager I think in 2010 yeah and wasn't as insane as we, we kind of hoped he as would we be hoped, for that. Yeah. Once, once he stopped being mad what's the point yeah exactly so yeah um, some of the matches went even on ITV which is disgusting this is it let's look at Brazil because Brazil won the tournament mm. You know, we're not going to reveal that at the end. I think people realise that Brazil won the tournament. People know. Um, they had a bit more steel about them than and in they, previous tournaments. They, they hadn't won in quite a long time. They hadn't I mean, won since 1970. Since yeah, that the world's most team. iconic team. That's a long gap for 24 them. years. I don't think they'd even been in a final. Nope, they hadn't. Um, and it was. I think there was a desperation among the Brazilians to actually win this thing again. And there was a, quite a pragmatic team that they've got put together. Yeah, they Dunga. Dunga was Dunga. the anchor, and he was a, the most un-Brazilian was, Brazilian of was, all time. He was the water carrier, wasn't he? He was a water the carrier. First of he was the water so carriers. un-Brazilian. 
Um, and uh, everyone in Brazil hated him because he wasn't, you know, standard Brazilian sort of flamboyant do, he player. He didn't do loads of stepovers and silly stuff. Uh, and then they had Bebeto and Romario up front. And Romario in that tournament for me is one of the best individual tournaments I've ever seen any yeah. player have. He was some player, Romario. Especially as the rest of the Brazil team were pretty awful. I mean, a lot of Brazilians, you, you know, will say that Romaro was the best of the lot of all these great players they've had over the years. Yeah. You know, uh, Ronaldo and, and all the ones going back, Pele and Garincha and all the rest of it, Zico. A lot of people say Romario was the best of He'd all. He'd get the ball 25 yards out and you knew there was a goal coming and he would just go yeah. through the defence. He was a piss taker, he was. wasn't he? He called himself a street cat. Yeah, described himself <laughs> as a street cat Did at he? the time, Romario. Yeah, oh, I'm going to start saying that. That's what I am, Sam Delaney street cat. Mm. Go for it, mate. Journalist, broadcaster, street, street cat. cat. You can have that one. Um, but ultimately, Brazil were pretty boring. Uh, they got through a fairly easy group. Then they beat the USA in the second round. I don't think any drugs were involved. Didn't they play Holland? They played play Holland that in the quarter final. That was three two to Brazil. That was probably the best match that. they had. That was a good game, yeah. And then a fairly dull one 0 win against Sweden in the semi final. Which I was at. I was just one of the ones you were at. Yeah, Would you we... like to drop the anecdote in now? Uh, well, obviously there are a few anecdotes, but probably, uh, but most of the things I have to say about the actual football itself are quite boring. In as much as all three games I watched were at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena just outside Los Angeles which <laughs> were the final and that semi-final did you go to the Brazil, final Sweden yeah, I went to the final I went to the, I went to the semi the final and the third place playoff which was Sweden versus Bulgaria yeah which was really the real contest there was who would end as top scorer because Stoichkov was up against Romario. Romario was playing in the final. Stoichkov yeah. was desperate to bag a goal. Did Stoichkov was... get one in that third place? He game? didn't. I, I can't remember what scores. I think Sweden won it, but it was just funny because Stoichkov was so clearly only playing for himself. They were the surprise package of the tournament, Bulgaria. But anyway, it was brilliant at the Rose Bowl Stadium. Um, it was it was like unbearably hot. So, like I say, like the way they had it all organised was really smart. So they had those I'd never before experienced the the fan spray so these big massive stand up uh, fans that have tiny water jets blowing out of them Ooh. so they blow out an ice cold mist you can buy them in Florida and Disney World they're yeah. lovely but these were huge ones that they wow. had lined up everywhere right yeah. so you wouldn't have to own your own because that's the, the way the Americans do things they're thinking two steps ahead of the rest yeah. of us right when it comes to mass events I mean they didn't want they knew it was so hot they didn't come up with Mr Sausage though did they no they didn't it was so hot they were they, they knew people would be dropping dead you know yeah. a lot of people fainting it would be a right nightmare so um, I was so into it. I mean, I would have happily missed the first twenty minutes of the game just to stand in front of one of these fans because they were—it was—it was a sensational feeling, Andy. And I remember standing in front of it for a touch too long, and a guy—and you couldn't have made him up more. I think it was the same year as the OJ trial, yeah, and that yeah. it was the dude who with the who was the sort of almost central cast in Californian who who was OJ's lodger who gave evidence and he became something of a celebrity himself. He was like something out of Wayne's World. He had kind oh, yeah. of long blonde hair like a yeah. surfer and he spoke like that and was kind of like, you couldn't make him He was up. in the Spin Doctors as well, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And um, well, he looked a little bit like Kurt Cobain, but he was like Californian chilled out surfing <laughs> Kurt Cobain. Anyway, I'm standing there before the final having getting my spray on yeah, and I'm fucking loving it and dude behind me gives it, hey man, don't bogart the fan. <laughs> <laughs> I look around. 
and I don't mean I don't know if it was him, but it was certainly looked like him. And I was like, this isn't like going to Upton Park at all. <laughs> it was <laughs> a very Bogart different experience. Don't Bogart the fan. What and does that mean? Don't bo- well, Bogart is like a sort of Jerry Garcia type turn, meaning hog. Right. Like, so they say, don't. I think there's a, a a Grateful Dead song called "Don't Bogart That Joint, My Friend," right. which means I don't know where it what the, how it derives, but it basically means don't hog it. Did you and punch so him this, squarely in the face? This guy was a fucking some sort of stonehead, Californian weedhead, and he's gone, "Hey man, don't bogart the fan." To be fair to him, I was bogart in the fan, and no, I suppose you know you're out in in England yeah you probably would have punched someone over that but there was something about the vibe out in California that you're just like sorry mate this is it hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is it! And then during the final... Two things happened that disappointed me. One was there's a this American woman was sitting in front of me and she had obviously been given tickets last minute and she had not a fucking clue where she was, right? right. She she had no idea of she didn't the, know it was a World Cup the final. huge honour that had been yeah. bestowed upon her by getting yeah. a ticket for the World Cup final. She thought she was at the Tater Top tournament. And it was yeah, it was so infuriating because yeah, I'm thinking this is amazing. I'm at the World Cup final and five minutes in I've already clocked, I've heard some of the things she's saying and I'm thinking she's annoying. And then someone, there's a throw-in and someone picks it up, take throw-in and she turns to her mate and goes, hey, okay, you say they're not allowed to use your hands. How do you explain that guy? <laughs> it's a fucking throw-in. And I'm like, listen, this is the World Cup fucking final. You've got no place being here if you're still asking questions like that. And then there's a few Brazilian lads sitting there, and they go absolutely apeshit, the Brazilians, during the game. I mean, literally, it only has to be a throw-in, and they're jumping about, smashing their fists on the ground, shouting to God and Jesus and their mother, crying. I mean, non-stop, full-on emotion throughout the fucking game. And uh, so he's giving it loads, because the stakes are high. It's the World Cup final. And she's going mad, like she is terrified and angry and confused by his behaviour. Yeah. And she's, and she, after he's done this about that time, she's got up, reached down a couple of rows, tapped on the shoulder, she goes, if you continue to behave in this violent way, I will have you ejected. It's the world fucking cup, final. The poor cunt. I looked at him, I was like, I shrugged at him. Like, in the Sorry. end, my brother and I intervened and said to her, listen, you know, he's just don't. He doesn't mean anything by it. He's not trying to scare you or this freak is, anyone that's out. That's what this is about. She's going for goodness' sake. This is outrageous. This is disgusting. And I'm going. Well, this is just. This, it's a very important game. 
Did she so not have some gear she, she could have given him? Was she tranquilizers piped down in? in the end. If only we'd had some hands. If I'd had any access to fucking tranquilizer Gatorade, I would have given it to her, not him. Shut her up. You seem more angry at her than you do at the uh, don't ball got the. Yeah, I was the because he guy. was laid back. He wasn't threatening me. He was yeah. just asking me. He wanted to go on the fan, and why wouldn't he? <laughs> The fan was one of the best things. It was one of the best feelings, Andy, I've ever experienced. Yeah. Was standing in front of that fan in the in the searing Californian heat. Is it? It was is lovely. It a, kind of a feeling on par with watching a burning motorbike in a field. Well, because that's one of my favourite. Yeah, but the thing is, it's a different sort of feeling because that is inspiring you with kind of romantic thoughts, I imagine. Whereas this was just more physical. Yeah. It wasn't visceral. It was. It was just it was pure. A, a it was physical pure necessity. Physical, it was pure physical joy. Okay, fair enough. Um, Dunga, Dunga lifted the trophy in the end, and uh, he turned to a sea of photographers and he shouted something. Would you like to hear what he shouted? Yeah, I'll try and do the voice. This is for you, you treacherous bastards! <laughs> what do you say now? Come on, take the pictures, you bunch of treacherous motherfuckers! <laughs> it's for you. Yes. So there we go. Dunga, fuck you, have some of that. Having his say against the uh, the journalists of Brazil who had, had denigrated him throughout the tournament, throughout his life even, he gave them some back as he lifted the World Cup above his head. They hated him because he wasn't skillful, and then he yeah. shoved it back up their asses by winning the bloody With World Cup. With extreme prejudice. I was actually stood quite near him. When Did he you hear him it. shout those things? I could, no, when he, when he lifted the World Cup, I wasn't touching distance, but I was close enough. You know, it's in the same stand as me. Yeah. To turn around and see, I couldn't see him, and there was a big crowd around him, and that I saw his hands emerge from out of the crowd the, and lift the World, the World Cup. Cup, and that was it. Wasn't as a feeling. It wasn't on a par with the feeling of the the fan spray. No, because nothing, nothing, nothing could, could be. equal that. But well, apart from maybe a desert island love tree. Well, we're going to get them on Sausage Island, aren't we? We're going to get yeah. those. There can be rewards. Oh, what the fans? You get an hour on the oh, fan. Oh, you get an hour yeah. on the bloody fan, yeah. And then at the end, the big prize. If you actually win, if you eat all my sausages and fuck my tree, and then I die, you, you're the final scene, which will be a big helicopter camera shot, like sweeping crane shot over the island. Yeah, is you standing in front of a burning motorbike. <laughs> Just staring at it, laughing your head off. Andy, With the fan. Yeah. Spray a fan on me. either side. Yeah. And your cock inside my West Ham tree. Yep. <laughs> Bring it on. Uh, there's there's two other things about Brazil in 94 that were noticeable. Um, uh, one was uh, Bebeto's baby celebration. Weird. After he scored a goal, weird. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't bring my kids into it. Even more... Not weird, with, weird now there's is, a lot of weird people around. That, it's why you shouldn't put pictures of your kids on Facebook either. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, the, 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 there's nonsense on everywhere. the internet getting off on that picture oh. of Bebeto's baby celebration. They are Because they're everywhere. so sick. Pictures of children aren't enough for them. They, they want they want pictures of babies being celebrated. They, they want imaginary they do. babies. Yeah, that's what some of these nonces are like. Exactly. They want that that you know some of them have got a fetish for imaginary pretend children that are not visible. Yeah. And you know, Bebeto was fucking feeding them, feeding the monsters. He did. I, I wouldn't. He be surprised. didn't know he was doing that in his defense. But it I'm was just a more saying, innocent time. They the were more innocent times. So we didn't know that these sickos were out there. But for me, no, keep the kids out of it. Yeah, I think Google's now, they've now deleted all them pictures 
of the baby celebration. And, as, as, and as rightly a... so. Or no, they've pixelated it. <laughs> so you can still see Bebeto, but the space Quite between his two yeah. arms is pixelated. Well, that's right. Bebe... To, to, to stop a nonce from imagining a baby. <laughs> Bebeto's goal shouldn't be expunged from the records. No. But any kind can't... of threat. Oh, no, because then the, then, then the paedophiles have won. Exactly. You know, that, if we, we let them rewrite football history. And, you know, do a great sportsman like Bebeto out of one of his greatest achievements, then yeah. they fucking won, and we can't let that happen. Exactly. Uh, the other thing that was of note for Brazil was when Leonardo elbowed Tab Ramos in the face during Brazil versus oh, the yeah. USA. Yeah. Um, can't help thinking he deserved it for being called Tab Ramos. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Kevin Keegan was, was commentating on that, and he dismissed it as just a tussle. And he had like five minute kind of um, argument with Alan Parry during the commentary when Alan Parry was like saying, "Oh, this is beyond the pale. Look, you see there, his elbows smashed right into the side of his face." And Keegan's going, "Oh, it's just a bit of give and take. It's just a tussle." And then in the end, Keegan came back, and I think a producer must have got in his ear, and Keegan says, "Yeah, that was unacceptable. Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah." So um, that was the. Kevin, you've lost it. That was the highlights of Brazil. Um, does that remind you of a thing that you'll have seen, no doubt? Uh, Tab Ramos was his name. Tab Ramos. The the you'll have no doubt seen the thing going round of a Korean video game from the nineties. Oh, um, the a, names. A sports game <laughs> yeah. where a Korean video game designer has made up the names of uh, oh no sorry Japanese a Japanese man had to come up with please, a whole league of fake American please names. Please tell for me a you've got them in game. front of you, Sam. I do. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll read them all until you get bored. Okay. Uh, Sleeve McDykel, <laughs> Onsen Sweemy, Daryl Archidello, Ray McSriff, <laughs> Glen Allen Mixon, <laughs> Mario McLaren, <laughs> Paul Chamgulane, <laughs> Kevin Nugilney, Tony Smerick. He's <laughs> the best one. Bobson Dugnut. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Dustis, Jeremy Gride, Scott Dirk, Sean Furcott. <laughs> like that one. Dean Weasery. Dean Weasery. Mike Truck. That's a good one. <laughs> Mike Truck. He's running short of inspiration by then, you think? Fucking Mike Truck. Uh, truck. Yeah. But easily, you could take any of these names and yeah. put them into an 80s action movie starring Sylvester Stallone. You and could. that. Yeah, because we were talking the other day about um, Over the Top. Right. And his name, the character, I mean, obviously you'll be more than familiar with Over the Top, the arm wrestling movie, yep. where for reasons that are never quite apparent, he has to <laughs> win an arm wrestling tournament <laughs> to get custody back of his son. It, ha- <laughs> it happens. <laughs> right. It's a bit like the story of Roger Miller, yeah. who, if your regular listeners will remember, Killed a child by kicking a football at him his and head knocking came his clean head off. off, didn't it? Yeah. And then he retired from football to a desert island, and he only came back to football because the stakes were high, and someone had threatened to take was, away his was, sex tree. Uh, it was Dean Weasery from the Cameroon yeah. FA. Yeah, and this this was a similar situation with um, who was I on about? I've forgotten. It's what. Sylvester Stallone, isn't it? Over the oh, top. Oh yeah, Sylvester Stallone in Over the Top. It was, it was for real. He had to arm. He had to win an arm wrestling contest to get custody of his child back. Anyway, his name was Lincoln Hawk, <laughs> and there's loads <laughs> of names like that, isn't there? But anyway, there um, have you got any more? Uh, d- uh, Mike Dwight Dwight Rortugal. 
it's exactly like Portugal. Like, it's exactly like Portugal. Portugal. Fido, what's your favourite Iberian nation? Portugal. Are you sure? What's your second favourite? Rain. Um, Tim Sandale, Carl Dandleton, Mike <laughs> Sarandes, and Todd Bonzales. I think the winner goes to Bobson Dugnut, followed by Mike Truck. Definitely. I agree with that. Uh, right. We haven't got any music to play in this one because there were no teams that made any songs. Uh, there were no uh, home nations teams involved in the tournament and Ireland didn't even bother. I think they just revived the 1990 song that had Jack Charlton kind of mumbling away at the beginning of it. So I'm just going to play a little bit of that again in this one. We'll prepare and we'll go and we'll do our best. We'll put them under pressure. The game is about being effective, being aggressive, winning the ball, getting on with the play. We'll put them under pressure. There we are, Jack Charlton. We're going to prepare and we're going to go and do our best. <laughs> Inspirational and see, words and there. And see from, what happens. From War Jackie. From World Cup winner Jack Charlton, who knows what it's all about. Mm. Um, there were a few standout teams in this World Cup. The, the, the teams that you'd expect to do well didn't really do that well. Argentina didn't do well. Um, Germany didn't do all that well. But Romania... Oh, Romania gave us all many, many sex thoughts during the tournament mm. uh, with Georgi Hadji and Dumitrescu. And Radicao. Radicao. Radicao and, uh, and Popescu and um, and Dumitrescu all came to England subsequently. Unfortunately, two of them came to West Ham and were useless. <laughs> but in the World Cup, they were, well, they had bad attitudes. Famously, Florin Radicao, right. who'd, sco- who'd scored many goals in that World Cup. Um, he was the one who, when we were playing away at Stockport in the League Cup, he'd gone on a shopping trip to Harvey Nicks. Right. Harry Redknapp was furious. In Stockport? No, in London. Right. They, don't, they didn't have a Harvey <laughs> Nicks in Stockport then. They might do now. I don't know. This was pre-Blair. And, <laughs> and, um, and uh, yeah, so they were shit when they came over here. But in that World Cup, it was it was a tremendous team, wasn't it? Lacatouche, wasn't yeah. he like their wing back or something? Yeah, and I mean, Haji was the Maradona of this tournament. Because... Yeah, they called him the, the Maradona of the Balkans. And, and do you remember that goal he scored against Colombia where he, he chipped it in from sort of the, the, the touchline, basically? It nah. saw the keeper off his line ah. and just, just flipped it in. Yeah, he was fantastic. Um, so Romania got as far as the quarterfinals when they were knocked out by Sweden on penalties. Now, if they'd beaten Sweden, they would have played Brazil in mm. the semi-finals, and I think they would have beaten Brazil. I think it would have been a cracking game. And I think game. they could have won the tournament. Yeah, 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 you're right, really. They could have done. They were. They probably were the most exciting team of the tournament because, yeah, it wasn't a vintage Brazil team. It was a, it was a Brazil team with one real world-class player, I suppose. Yeah, and a lot of functional yeah. players behind them. One of the other standout teams was um, Bulgaria as well, who yeah. also you said got the, to the semi-final. Stoichkov won the gold. And they boot. knocked Germany out, didn't they? They did. Stoichkov, to me, 
seemed to be full of players who were either bald or wearing really obvious wigs. There was no in-betweens. It's one of those countries that at the time, I mean, we've talked about it before when we, I think we were talking about Portugal in 86. This was a country that I suspect you still had to put the bog roll in the bin <laughs> as opposed to flush it. It was a very, yeah. I mean, this was a, Rudimentary... back, it was a backward country still struggling That's a out. strong word, backward. Yeah. But you've used it I've and used I'm not it. going well, to disagree with you. And I don't blame them, I'm blaming the Soviets because, you know, this is only a few years after they've managed to wrestle themselves free from so, from oppressive Soviet rule. Yeah. So they're still coming out blinking into the sunlight That's of true. lovely capitalism. That's true. And so a lot of the men were still living only on potatoes and cabbage. And so they did look like, well, sixth formers from your school in Sunderland, a yeah. lot of them. So Bulgaria, um, they got to the semi-finals. Nigeria was an interesting one because Nigeria were the, the the African darlings of this tournament, which Cameroon had previously been. Yeah, Nigeria came in and bossed it with goal celebrations. Yes, uh, Finidi George scored against Greece and then crawled along the floor like a dog. Lovely. Like the, no wonder, no wonder, like George, strike of the dog. No wonder George Burley signed him. Having seen, having seen that exactly, he, he would have been sat home in Ipswich watching that and thought, I'll have some of that. Lad. I'm saying of that guy. Yeah. I'm having that <laughs> guy at Portman Road. He got Road. straight on the phone to David Sheepshanks. And went, <laughs> Sheepshanks, are you watching this? You've seen this guy crawling along the floor. <laughs> we need to get him in. Get that lad in. It dovetailed perfectly with Matt Holland in the middle of the park. <laughs> and, of course, Rashidi Yakini scored the first goal of the tournament for Nigeria and then ran into the net, you remember? Love pulling that. at it and putting his hands through the He, he the grabbed holes it like, like a... it was a web yeah. or a cage. And he squeezed it and, and shouted to it. shook it. it. Oh, I'm surprised that didn't take off. Cause I'm I'd surprised still... George Burley didn't sign him. No, exactly. Burley might have seen that and thought, oh, I've spent all the fucking money on Finidi George. No, it might have been the old Luther Blissett John Barnes situation. It could have been. It could where have been. he's gone, and not in a racist way, but he's gone. <laughs> he's called up Dave Shoopshanks and he's gone, the Nigerian lad who did that out of this world celebration. Sign him up. And Sheepshanks has looked back at it and thought, he must mean Fanidi George, who yeah. called them online. But he d- Got the wrong yeah. one. The other notable thing about Nigeria, I remember, was uh, the BBC decided to bring in an expert on all things Nigerian to co-commentate oh, on their no. match. Do you remember who was it was? It, was it Fash? It was John yeah. Fashionu, yeah. <laughs> and John Fashionu provided some of the most patronising... Yeah. Uh, I'm joined uh, now by, <laughs> to, to inform us further on our Nigerian friends, I'm joined by... The black man, John Fashanu. <laughs> John Fashanu, what is Nigeria? Who are they? And what precisely do they want? <laughs> and I remember during, at one point during the match, Fashanu was, was uh, he, he said, yeah, and such and such. I remember Finidi George. Finidi George, he he, uh, he likes to spend a lot of time uh, running up and down the channels. And uh, he said, for those of you who don't know what that means, that's the wings. <laughs> <laughs> Call them the wings then, you silly bastard. <laughs> So, yeah, John Fashanu provided an analysis for the Nigerian matches. He kept referring to them as we as well. When he That's was, so funny. Yeah, when and he, was... he played for England, <laughs> yeah. bastard. Yeah. I don't like that. It's like, you know, Two-fist cunt. pick a side. <laughs> I saw him play for England against Chile. Uh, so, yeah, he's given it all the way because England haven't qualified. Yeah. Just like I probably was doing about Ireland at the time, to be fair. Exactly. But, you know, I didn't have the position of influence. I didn't have the platform that Fashanu had. I was just <laughs> saying it to my mates in the pub. This is it! Uh, for me, the standout team before the tournament started was Colombia. Jalapeño. Mm. Now, I put a load of money on Colombia 
to win the thing. Wow. Um, and for, um, I think it was for Freddie Rincon to be the top scorer. And, and this Carlos is all, Valderrama was yep, there, talisman, right? Spria was there as well. This is all in the CSO pre-tournament of Pelé. Pelé, Pelé. Well, this is before I realised that Pelé will just basically fucking say I'll anything. Say anything. Um, yeah, Pelé will just say anything. And he said that Colombia were, were going to win the tournament, kind of based on the fact that they'd beaten Argentina 5-0 in the qualifiers. Uh, and I read that during a subsequent friendly after mm. that match, one fan took a celebratory roast platter to the dugout oh, that's for great. the coaching team. That's that's wonderful. That's what you need more of in football, isn't it? Yeah. A roast platter. A carvery. They should do that more. Yeah. I mean, it, and also, even at half-times, but, you know, they used to give out oranges, didn't they, when we were kids, to yeah. like, refresh your half-time. It'd be much nicer to have a carvery plate. A nice couple of slices of beef. I prefer a cold platter, like you know, like the ones that you might have very on Christmas evening. Yeah. No, but like the the turkey's oh. gone cold. Right. The gammon, if you yeah. had a gammon, it's gone cold. So the pigs in blankets, but then you could supplement that with some cheese, crackers, and piccalilli. I'm usually too full. Oh, I don't time care Christmas, if I'm full. I mean, for Christmas me, that's day. the cold cuts in the evening. It's just as much of a tradition as, you know. Oh, seven from Boxing Day, mate. This is it. Uh, players of the tournament, we've got, we've mentioned Stojkov, we've mentioned Haji, we've mentioned Romario, Roger Miller, of course, was back again, age 53. Uh, he scored one goal in a 6-1 battering by Russia when it was, oh, what was he called? It was um, Selenko, scored five yeah. for Russia, and that got him oh, the, the uh, a share scorer. of the golden boot right, along yeah. with Stojkov. Yeah. So uh, the only other player that stands out from the tournament for me personally was that Mexican keeper, the little twat who dressed like an exotic bird. Do you remember him? I've forgotten what yeah. he was called, but his shirt was all... George, was it Campos? George Campos, that's yeah. it. Yeah, him. Oleg Selenko scored six goals. Stoichkov scored six. He did. Kenneth Anderson of Sweden scored five. I'd sort of forgotten about he him. He was a big bastard, wasn't he? Yeah, did he come to this country? I can't remember. Badjo's, I would say Blackburn if he did. Yeah, Badjo scored uh, five. Badjo had a great World Cup. Badjo's a great player. Yeah, and apart from I'm, at the very end of the World Cup, uh, yeah, he missed that penalty. And then I'm just thinking, why isn't Romario on this list? I thought Romario was. I think he only got four. Yeah, Romario. Oh no, it says five here. Right. Klinsman got five. Batistuta got four. And then of course we we haven't talked much about the Swedish team, which was very good. There was Martin Darlene. Yeah. And, and brawling and Thomas Brolin, pig boy, before he went to shit after he come to Leeds. Yeah, he was a he was a great player though, wasn't he? For, back for, then, for, for those couple of months during mm. that tournament, yeah. Mm. The goal of the tournament, you might have seen this on YouTube, or you might remember it: Saudi Arabia versus Belgium. Saeed Al Owarin. Oh, yeah, and it was it was, effort, it was the Maradona goal of '86, so but he must better have been on cocaine. It but was, it's much harder to be on cocaine if you're from Saudi Arabia definitely. than Argentina. And if you watch it, it's like watching the Maradona goal, but kind of um, slightly speeded up because yeah. the defenders aren't Peter Reid or Terry Fennick or Steve Hodge. They're a lot more a lot more lithe and, and, and. It doesn't happen so much anymore, does it? Solo goals? No, not in my mind. No. I mean, like in the World Cup, you used to always think, "I'm going to see an overhead kick goal. I'm going to see a, a sensational free kick goal, or just a rocket like the one that what's his name that Russian kept scoring in '86." Yeah. and you're always going to see a couple of solo efforts. I don't know why. Maybe football's become too advanced, but you don't expect to see the solo goals so much anymore. We're, we're, we're recording this two days before the World Cup starts. I hope that by the time this is put out, the World Cup 
2018 hasn't become known as the World Cup of solo goals. Jordan Henderson. <laughs> I've seen Jordan 12 H- of them in the first week. Jordan Henderson has put the whole Belgian defence on its arse <laughs> on a mazy run before eventually rounding Court- Tibet Courtois, not once, but twice, and then rolling the ball over his line ostentatiously with his head. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's about it, really. Brazil, Italy, World Cup final. Brazil won it on penalties. The match was shit. You you were there. I was at the match, and in my mind, it was a great match. And when oh, I right, came okay. back, because I, you know, this was an amazing coup that yeah. I had managed to go to this tournament and get these tickets and all the rest of it. And obviously, there was a lot of jealousy amongst my mates. Um, I'd gone with my older brother, and uh, we'd had. I mean, it had just been obviously absolutely brilliant and I was so excited not just mainly by the fans but you know the, the spray fans but to be there at the World Cup and I was absolutely uh, genuinely I was engrossed in this game right I was engrossed in it and it must have been the atmosphere and the, the, the knowledge of the you know how, yeah, the how fact that you were at the was. World Cup final and I was yeah. watching it and I was thinking this is a great game this is a great tactical game I was watching it probably like Simon Cooper watches games the, the sort of person who describes a match as fascinating yeah it was when like that you know these people awful. are really into games that are nil nil because they yeah. think that's tactically and I think for one brief moment I was a footballing hipster right. because I was watching it and thinking this is such a great game and then in the end obviously it was penalties there was that drama which was quite good when I got back to England all of my mates who were obviously very jealous and bitter that I had gone <laughs> to the World Cup were like giving me like ah gutted worst match yeah, ever you spent all that money you sort of worst <laughs> match ever it was the worst game ever <laughs> like I was supposed to say yeah I'm gutted I went I'm gutted about the week I spent in Los Angeles watching football Cup matches final. and I feel a right cunt <laughs> well if any of you are listening now no you were the cunts but these are the people that you were in the play with a few years before. Some of them were, some of them weren't. I'm still mates with most of them, so it's all right. I think for me, the, that World Cup final was marred by the fact that a couple of my mates came around to watch it at mine, and one of them was driving, and he, he obviously didn't bring any booze. He brought one solitary can of Lipton ice, iced tea. Oh, no. And that, that, that marred the entire evening. I wish he just brought nothing. I just had a glass of tap water But when instead. you were young, you never brought round communal booze. Like you'd bring a carrier bag. You bring with your, your own, own stuff. Yeah. yeah, you bring a carrier bag with your own beers. I don't know what the age is where you suddenly start thinking, "I'm just going to buy this sort of as a gift." Yeah, and I don't mind because in those days you would bring them, and if if you brought six, let's say, Castlemaine Forex, yeah, and they went into the fridge, and then and then when you left after the game, not all of them had been consumed. You take them, you take them home with you because you need them. Yeah. yeah. Um, my mate, just a quick one, but my my mate, uh, one of my mate's dads was uh, Steve Jones. I might have mentioned this before. From the Pyramid Game? From the Pyramid Game. Or from game. the Sex Pistols? From the Pyramid Game. Oh, okay. Right, that was my my best mate's dad yeah. was and is Steve Jones from the Pyramid Game. My other best mate, Billy Gallagher, who was uh, the one who thought he was Yosimar, and also I exchanged the, 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 the match information during the play. Yeah. And Italian Knightley. Right, he's my best mate. And his dad was a Liam Gallagher. Was a builder. <laughs> Tom Gallagher was a builder, a, a, a Glaswegian Rangers fan with a lot of Rangers tattoos, and um, a heavy drinker. Right, and he was tremendously scary. I mean, genuinely, I know it sounds like a cliche, but he he looked and sounded like someone from Braveheart. He had like long, shaggy hair and a big beard, and yeah. he was a scary guy. And um, but we were all mates, and. When Tom Gallagher went to pick up Billy Gallagher from Ollie Jones's house, 
Steve Jones, who also liked to drink, answered the door and, and in his voice is my Steve Jones impression. By the, by the way, I love Steve Jones, right, like an uncle. And he goes, oh, hi, Tom. Uh, just uh, the boys are still playing up in the bedroom. Would you like to come in for a beer? He said, no, I can't. I've got it. I've got to get back for the wife. She's got dinner. She's told me to come straight back. And he's going, oh, well, I'm sure you could spend a... I mean, it's such a brilliant clash of culture. Well, I'm, I'm sure she won't notice if you just come in. I've got some cold ones in the fridge. No, Steve, I'd love to usually, but I'll, Tino will go mad. The dinner's nearly ready. And he's going, well, I mean, you know, uh, we could chuck them down quickly. It might be nice. It's a nice sunny evening. And then Tom Gallagher's gone. All right, fuck it. Just give us a couple and I'll drink them on the way home. <laughs> And Steve was so... He didn't know what to do. He just went, oh, um, uh, okay. And he went and he got him the beers, gave them to Tom, and then Tom went, come on, Billy, we're away home. And Billy ran out and he just got in the car and sparked a can. And poor old Steve was left like drinking alone in the garden. Oh, God. Shame, innit? That's fantastic. That's salvaged what's been a laborious podcast. Um, on, on a, a fairly laborious World Cup final um, that's the USA 94 for you. We're going to leave you with the um, the theme music. ITV couldn't even be bought at the commission, so they just got Daryl Hall. They went out and bought a Daryl Hall single and put that on. But the, and also, I'd just like to say, this is a Daryl Hall, a, a, yeah, a proponent of, of, you know, some extremely high-class blue-eyed soul yes. in his time. And he's fucking let himself down with this because this is way below par for him. It's fucked his legacy, hasn't it? Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> It started with a feeling And a dream was born in you It's written in your eyes You hope you'll see the dream come true Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.